Do you ever wonder how successful entrepreneurs built their businesses from scratch? Are you unsure if starting a business is for you? Well, tune in as we discuss how successful entrepreneurs transformed their ideas into reality. Welcome back to From Zero to Revenue with your host, Chris Yap. Welcome back. You are listening to the podcast show From Zero to Revenue, uh, the show that features the journey of successful entrepreneurs from around the world. I'm your host, Chris Yap. Uh, today, we will discuss how to optimize yourself as an entrepreneur rather than just optimizing your company. Learn how to be healthy and happy while you build a successful enterprise. I'd like to thank our sponsor, GapTech Global, your outsourcing company for LinkedIn marketing, customer service, and various back office services. You can learn more about their services at www.gaptechglobal.com. I am extremely excited to introduce our guest today, a serial entrepreneur and advocate of mental health for entrepreneurs, the founder of Founders First, Mr. Aaron Houghton. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. Really excited to be here. Absolutely. Uh, Really excited to have you here. Um, You know, I'm really thrilled to finally have this conversation with you. Ian has spoken very highly of you in multiple locations. So Aaron, you've been an entrepreneur since you were 17, sold three companies, and one of them actually to a publicly traded company for like $169 million. And after 11 tech startup companies, you decided to establish Founders First. Tell us your story. What's the story behind Founders First? Yeah, thanks for the setup. My my defining moment as an entrepreneur some people might think it was, you know, building the 11 companies I've built over 20 years. Um, maybe the exit I had in 2012, I sold a company called Eye Contact yes. um, to a public company for yeah, $169 million. I had an incredible co-founder in that business, and it was a 10-year journey. Um, raising capital, you know, being uh, in, breaking the top 100 in the Inc. 500 list or being an Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year. So right. many high moments along the way, but the defining moment for me really is one year after my exit, laying on the floor of my home office, being completely unable to move. I was 30 years old. I felt like I was having a heart attack, paralyzed. And I'm, I'm laying and I'm watching the ceiling, uh, the ceiling fan above me just spinning around slowly. And I literally can't move. My whole neck and chest and back are seized up and it feels like I'm dying. And I'm in the middle of a massive panic attack. And it is my anxiety just gone out of control. It was a moment where I had to admit to myself that I'd been very successful by traditional definitions. I'd made a lot of money, become an influential entrepreneur, at least in the Southeastern United States, where I was building companies in North Carolina at the time. But the habits that it took to get there were really putting me personally on a path to unhappiness and and to Mm -hmm. poor mental health, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, loneliness, feeling like I was completely on this journey on my own. So the higher my success went, the lower my health went. And I think what I, what I realized was the habits for success I built along the way in order to be successful, things like, you know, learning how to be a growth hacker, learning how to crush it in my business and push as hard as I possibly can set me up for some short-term optimization, which was great for building my success. But those same tools that so many people out there peddle on on the internet or wherever you find these resources about how to build your company to a million dollars next week, 
Uh, we're also soul crushing tips, health tips, happiness erasing tips, and they left me at my lowest point. I've seen some of your videos, and obviously, I've been a member of Founders First as well, and there are really a lot of helpful tips. And I think one of the things that you say is meditate. And I know you you do mountain biking a lot, and I, you consider that as one of your tools. So we will touch more, dive more into the founders first. But you know, I'm sure our audience are just curious. What is your background? You know, it's you started your first company at the age of 17. Mm-hmm. How did that come come about? What kind of prompted you to get into that? And you know, I mean, I know the rest is history from there. But <laughs> man, age of 17, having your own first company—that's that's amazing. How did that come about? <laughs> you know, I think the motivation behind it was that living in North Carolina in the hot Southern summers, nothing quite like Arizona summers, but a lot of humidity <laughs> yeah. on top of that heat. Um, I was mowing lawns to make money as a high school student. So at 15 and 16 years old, I'm pushing a you know manual push mower around in the sun. I have asthma. There's dust kicking up everywhere. And, you know, it's 100 degrees in, in the sweltering heat and I'm making $20 per yard and, and I'm looking for some, you know, I have this massive motivation to try and figure out a better way to make money. And, you know, going and waiting tables and, and other things was just less money, although maybe a little bit less painful than what I was doing. And I found my way to computers because my dad was a professor of education and he was teaching middle grades teachers uh, in a graduate school program at a public university how to come out and use technology in their curriculum development in the classroom. So essentially how to use computers and technology to teach people. And that just started to rub off on me because that's where his focus was. I had access to a computer lab at his university and would go down on weekends with him and spend a couple hours around computers in the early days of the Internet. And it became obvious to me that in kind of 1997, 1998 and 1999, that the, the beginning of the Internet boom and the Internet era, businesses were moving from the traditional world into the digital world. And I started writing HTML, very basic HTML to build websites and started building that into very kind of basic software that I was creating for companies. And this is even like before the year 2000, so in the late 90s. Yeah, and it was really early. And my first client ended up being my basketball coach, my varsity basketball coach in high school. Wow. I'm a high school student at the time. And he owned a bed and breakfast. And he was effectively the only business owner that that I knew that also knew me and had some sort of relationship with being a high school student. Both of my parents are educators, so we weren't in the business mm-hmm. world there. I asked coach if he'd let me build a website for his bed and breakfast. And I did. And that kind of opened the door to the tourism industry in our town. Lots of cottages, bed and breakfast, lots of uh, weekend vacation properties in the area. And I started to be the person that would build websites. And for all of my customers, this was their first website because this was, you know, web 0.0 as these businesses moving online for the first time. And that's what got me started. The motivation again was was to, you know, this kid in a small town trying to find relevance, trying to find a better way to make money and then just starting to turn that into a business. And I was hiring, you know, 1099 contractors within my second year in business when I was 18 years old. That's just really impressive. So Aaron, in 2008, you won the Ernst and Young, you know, really prestigious award, Ernst and Young Entrepreneur of the Year. And then, you know, you were in the Inc. 500, 30 under 30. You've got all these accolades, you know, under your belt. I guess my question is, um, what did you have to sacrifice to get to that point? You kind of touched on it earlier during the introduction, but I'm sure with all our listeners, a lot can kind of relate what it takes 
to kind of, you know, go after your dream. We're always chasing as entrepreneurs. We're always chasing that, you know, quote unquote success, right? In your case, man, at a young age, you got that accolade. What did you have to sacrifice to get there? Yeah, effectively, the entire decade of my 20s is the short answer. But the, the long answer is, you know, I started building companies so young and I was even running a couple companies as a college student that I had started, you know, in high school and in my freshman year. And I'm building these companies with all of my spare time. And I'm staying up until 1 a.m., 2 a.m. working on projects, mostly because I love them. This didn't feel like hard work. It had been it was better work than I had been doing before that mowing lawns. And sure. it was exciting. Uh, the, the the dream was to try and, you know, become relevant again as a kid from a small town. And so I wanted to, I had this dream as a, as a 17, 18 year old that I wanted to write software and build hardware for computers that could essentially power the entire operations of a business. This was my nerdy dream as a kid. Um, sure. Kids maybe dream about being a professional athlete or something like that. I dreamed about building soft, <laughs> integrated hardware and software solutions to solve right. those problems. Yeah. Not, not normal. And so that's where I, I wanted to go with this. And, you know, I found myself already pushing too hard, even as a high school student, ended up in the hospital for stress-related, you know, lack of sleep uh, as an 18-year-old. So I was off wow. places 140% in, and that simply just got bigger and bigger as I moved off, went to college, built a bigger team around me, and was actually running three companies at a time while well, in the university. One of my favorite stories from that time was there was a startup pitch competition at the university and uh, six companies entered because it was in the very early days of startup pitch competitions. And three of them were my companies. <laughs> Half of the entire startup pitch competition was me pitching with a co-founder, walking off stage and walking back up with my next co-founder to pitch the other company that I was building. And so it was really a story of, of just overdoing it. And because of excitement, no one was forcing me to do this. I loved it. I loved the motivation. I had great motivation. I loved the thrill of building something, helping people and finding my place in the world. And so it caused me to just go down this, this massive rabbit hole. So for um, a good 10 years, um, you know, I effectively didn't sleep. I wasn't a big caffeine junkie, but I just had so much internal energy from building these companies. And it's, it's fun that you mentioned the 2008 Ernst & Young Award because, you know, what doesn't make my resume is that as a 28-year-old in 2009, I was diagnosed with stage four metastatic cancer that had spread from my neck wow. into lymph nodes around my body. And I had to take three months off of work, have surgery and months of radiation to get back on my feet again. And, you know, I think back in that, at that time, had I not been treating myself as poorly as I had, maybe my immune system would have been a little more active and kept me a little more healthy in those moments. Mm -hmm. And so that it's just a little piece of the puzzle, but that to me is one of the, the biggest parts of it. I mean, very few people get cancer in their twenties. Um, and I, uh, was just happened to be one of those people. Well, at the same time as I was building a great company and putting everything I had into that company from 2008 to 2010, we grew our revenue from $13 million to $45 million. So these were incredible wow. years and keep in mind, I'm in my mid twenties. So this yeah. type of experience is just off the charts and that energy is causing me to push so hard professionally and leaving nothing for me personally. That is incredible. I mean, again, you know, at the young age, having to go through that. And then, you know, I, with eye contact, uh, you sold that for $169 million, right? Mm -hmm. And when you did that, you thought you're, you're going to be happy. It's a lot of money. But then you realize it's not exactly what you expected. Can you tell me a little bit more about that experience personally in building that company? And then what happened after you sold it? 
Yeah. So that, that lowest moment that I experienced was one year after selling the business. And so I'm, I'm, when I'm laying on the carpet, staring at the ceiling in this moment, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what, how did I get on this path? How did I do this wrong? I have all the things that I thought would make me happy. I'm living in an 8,000 square foot house. I have a 2,000 square foot home office overlooking, you know, it's in the nicest neighborhood in the town we lived in overlooking the nicest hole on a golf course. And I had this moment where I realized I don't play golf. I don't even like golf. Why do I live in this house? Why do I live in this neighborhood? Why do I, why have I optimized in this way? And part of it was realizing that I had optimized my own life around what I thought the world wanted me to be and who I thought the world wanted me to be. And so part of my journey in that moment was to to start reaching out and connecting with entrepreneurs and trying to share um, my own story, just being vulnerable about kind of asking that question, how did I get here? And what I unfortunately discovered is that what I thought was making me different or maybe even weak, these experiences of feeling like I wasn't doing a good job were leading me to um, these people around me that were um, also struggling. And after hundreds of conversations with entrepreneurs, I got to this moment where I realized that entrepreneurs are in crisis. This is a universal experience among the most innovative and the most creative among us in the business world. I'll share a couple of stats that, that I uncovered through my kind of research and, and discovery here. And, and most of this comes from the amazing Dr. Michael Freeman at UCSF. Uh, 72% of entrepreneurs experience lifetime mental health issues. It's 72%. Like it's almost wow. all of them. Not even close to half. It's two thirds. <laughs> it's above two thirds, three quarters. It's telling us this is really a dangerous profession. Entrepreneurs are two times more likely to commit suicide, three times more likely to have substance abuse issues, six times more likely to have issues with ADHD, and 11 times more likely to be bipolar. And so the truth that I started to uncover here is that the same flaws and variances that cause us to be brilliant and creative and to create the future also come with a great deal of struggles that's universal among entrepreneurs. I would have to agree with you on that 100%. You know, I've been an entrepreneur for over a decade now, and obviously we have our ups and downs. And Mm -hmm. when you're in that high, close of big deals, like, woohoo, right? But uh, when things are challenging, even when things are doing well, but the demand with our work is obviously, you know, like at the most, I had like 70 employees, but man, that kept me up at night. Uh, Because that's a 70, I wouldn't want to call it headaches, but 70 people you really have to think about, right? Uh, And there was a time where Jack Daniels was my best friend. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. He's a lot of entrepreneurs' best friends. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And and so Mm -hmm. I'm sure with our audience listening to this, they can relate. So you spent years to do your research. You spoke to, you know, entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, Obviously, you found the stats. How how are they doing now? I mean, what 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 else did you find out that maybe triggered you to you know start uh, founders first? Yeah, for me, this ended up you know, or so far has been about a ten year journey. So that year after my exit was two thousand and thirteen, and I was starting to feel the pain leading up to those moments and trying to understand how to solve it, and. After 2013, I I committed myself to trying to solve this problem, I guess, selfishly first for me, but then trying to figure out if there was a standard set of tools that could help people like me. And so I used myself as the guinea pig from and tried absolutely everything. I just kind of opened up and said, 
you know, what are, what are possible solutions? What have people tried? It led me on incredible journeys, hikes into the wilderness, connections with people and cultures that I'd never been in front of before, standing in the middle of fields in the Rocky Mountains at 5 a.m., exchanging rocks with strangers <laughs> as gifts and all sorts of really, really interesting things down to just standard traditional clinical work, doing cognitive behavioral therapy, meeting with the experts and researchers that specialize in helping entrepreneurs and specialize in helping people with anxiety and depression and substance abuse issues. And what I discovered was that there really was no central resource for the answer for people like me, for creative people, for innovative people who are creating the future and building companies. Entrepreneurs, call us whatever you want, entrepreneurs, founders, creative types. And there is kind of a standard practice we all go to when we're thinking about healing our companies. So if you think about if you have an unhealthy company and you start asking around, you're probably going to find yourself um, in front of one of these business optimization frameworks called either EOS Traction or Rockefeller Habits or Scaling Up, or if you go back far enough, process optimization like Six Sigma. There's all these tools and frameworks for taking an unhealthy business and making it healthy. But no one had created a framework for taking an unhealthy founder and the, you know, the main resource behind a business and making that into a healthy founder. Um, and so we all want healthy um, companies. The only way to do that is to have healthy founders behind them. And so I created the Founders First system by pulling together all the tools that I found that worked for me. Tons of them didn't. Tons of them were a waste of my time. Um, and I pulled in what other entrepreneurs say worked for them and created a very simple standard framework that we can use. It's simple, just like all the business frameworks we use. We take our data, we put it inside these models, and then we check it regularly and we improve. Um, we try and improve uh, and we watch our numbers to, to see when we fall too far off of center. And that's the exact process here. It's a, it's a system, a simple framework of personal health metrics that we can track about ourselves. We can even track it among a co-founding team or an executive team inside of our company. So we always know where people stand so we can treat them and meet them exactly where they are uh, in order to help them be ha happy and healthy as they build their companies. Thanks for sharing that, uh, Aaron. And, you know, obviously we'll, we'll talk more a little bit about that, but in, in your intro video in your website, um, uh, there was something that was really striking for me because, you know, I, I, I share with you um, that mentality where you said there are basically three things you manage within yourself, your energy, your emotion. I think the other one was your, the body, the physical yep. body, right? Yep. When you put it uh, in that perspective, and then you said you've got like this five metrics where you mm -hmm. measure those. Um, tell us a little bit more about that approach and how does that help you and how does that help entrepreneurs when they have that framework when managing themselves? Yeah, you know, someone told me long ago in business that you can only improve the things that you track, right? And I, and I think the the personal cracks that I felt in my own foundation as a human being, as the entrepreneur, as the life force behind my business were really easy to not track because I didn't want them to be there. <laughs> they felt uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have the first panic attack I had as a business owner. You mentioned that stress of having a big team that you've built, right? And you're successful. And there's the livelihood of all these people that we're responsible mm -hmm. for to try and try yeah. and help them as they help us. Then there's customer pressure. There could be investor pressure. There could be market pressure. There's new product development and product market fit pressure. And all of those things combined uh, is is too much probably for any one or two people that are that are founding companies. And so, my strategy in the past was to try and sweep that stuff under the rug. And that's why I 
it led me to a, a really acute crisis in my life. And I ended up taking two years off from being any type of professional or entrepreneur. And I spent a lot of that time in my kind of research and recovery period trying to figure out what would work for me. And the diligence that, that I recommend to entrepreneurs that I found so helpful for me, and I only discovered this in the last couple of years, but I'm over a thousand days in a row in tracking this for myself. And it's tracking these five factors, which are energy, calm, mood, identity hours. So how much time each day I'm committing to things outside of my professional identity. So these are my other identities, like a father, a husband, a friend, a son, mountain biker, as you mentioned before, one of my favorite activities. And I know one of yours as well, yeah. all of these identities, it's skier, which this time of year isn't doing, I'm not doing a lot of, but you know, all of these identities that are important to me that, that I hold and I spend my time on. And they're also things that that help me feel a certain way. I know when I spend time on my mountain bike, I come back feeling good every time. I don't always know that when I walk into a marketing meeting or when I review my marketing analytics data that I'm going to feel good afterwards. Some days are good and some days are bad. Um, mm -hmm. So identity hour is the fourth one. And the fifth one's happiness. Happiness is, happiness is both a, an input and an, out, and an output for me. So when I feel happy, I, I interpret events around me more positively. I spread more positivity. That positivity comes back and I feel better. And happiness is also an outcome of all these other things. When our mind and our body sees us taking care of ourselves, optimizing for us first so that we can help others second, it mm -hmm. starts to reward us with those feelings of positivity, those feelings of confidence that we know we can take good care of ourselves, even under the pressure of what it takes to build a company. So Aaron, everything you've shared just in that last two, three minutes or so, it's it's definitely something that people would usually pay at least 200 bucks in an online course from like different gurus, right? So is this what members can expect when they join Founders First system? Are these the type of like coaching? Because what you said, it's not only strategic, they're actually very tactical. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's not just a high level, do this, do that. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, it's it, to me, it sounds like it's there's actually a blueprint that people can follow. So is this something that people can expect when they join the system? Yeah. I, I want to share first about the, the Founders First community. And I think that's, uh, it's certainly where most people join us. They start in the free community. And so it's a free online community. It's an app on iOS and Android. It's also on the web. So people can find it by searching Founders First community in the app store on your phone. And it's the only community of entrepreneurs where there's no business talk. Like, think about that for a second, right? Like every group <laughs> for entrepreneurs you join, you're going to get the question, how do I launch my company? How do I write a business plan? How do I talk to investors? How do I get money from a bank? How do I uh, test products with customers? All the tactical things for building a business. And so our community is the exact opposite of that. It's a place where we as entrepreneurs talk about us. I think if you check it out, what's really, really cool is you'll see if you go, we just launched it in May. And if you go back through the thousands of posts made by entrepreneurs since then and scroll back through them, you'll see that there's not a single mention of anybody's company. <laughs> no one's pitching right. anything. Um, you instead are going to see people talking about how they feel and how the experience of being an entrepreneur is affecting them. These are the stories of the people behind the companies and what's mm -hmm. incredible about the community and why we created it was to allow entrepreneurs to help each other so they can ask questions. If, if you're an entrepreneur and you join the community, literally right now when hearing this conversation, uh, by the end of the day or tomorrow morning, there will be a response or multiple responses to your question. You might ask, I'm having trouble sleeping because of big business deadlines coming up, or I'm launching my company in three weeks and everybody's hair is on fire in the company and we don't know what to do. 
And, you know, I'm having trouble being a confident leader in front of this group. What do I need to do to get to a better place? And you'll get a page or two of answers from people, no one telling you what to do, but instead telling you their experience with the exact same situation, because these situations are so common for us as entrepreneurs. We're really building the future of health in entrepreneurship together as a free community. You know, one of, one of the key things that I remember, um, one of the key things you, you mentioned before it, that you found during your research was most entrepreneurs, uh, they feel isolated, right? Mm-hmm. And they feel like, you know, they're going at things alone. And I know, you know, the Founders First community is something that you're personally dedicated to as a result. Can you tell us a little bit about that, specifically on that, you know, when you find that specific result um, and who is there and what is it like? Yeah, so we launched the community in May and it's started slowly building the first two months as people found out about us. And, and now it's growing really, really quickly. We just passed uh, 450 entrepreneurs in the group and I think we'll probably end up at maybe a thousand by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. And what's really incredible about it is the... I think the intensity in which this issue um, is met by so many entrepreneurs, they, this, it, for many of them, is the first time they experience a place where it's okay to talk about not being okay. And <laughs> as leaders, so many of us come from environments and even entrepreneurial environments where it's not okay to not be okay. And any weakness is exploited by other people. Uh, and, and sometimes we even find that, unfortunately, inside of our own companies. And the community is a, a place where we can talk with each other on a very level playing field because we're all entrepreneurs. And this universal experience we talked about before, 72% of us are experiencing lifetime mental health issues. We have extremely high predispositions to all of these other mental health challenges that don't just are just uncomfortable, but they also put our businesses at risk. And unfortunately, in the case of depression and suicide, they can also put our lives at risk as well. There isn't always a safe place, especially if you think about the circle of people around an entrepreneur and think about yourself, Chris, right? We have, you know, friends that maybe don't want to hear about this side of our lives sometimes or don't understand. I was actually sharing a a story um, in an interview yesterday about the first time I shared my struggle with anxiety with a friend of mine across a beer at a bar. And he quickly changed the subject <laughs> and that's okay. Cause he wasn't yeah. a therapist and was not in a place to support me. Um, right. And, and this community is a safe place for us to talk about those things with each other so that um, it's okay to talk about them. And the first thing that I discovered in my own journey, when I started down this path and, you know, after that conversation with a friend over a beer, um, as I started sharing this with others was, was hearing from the other side, how many people are experiencing the same thing. And it immediately wiped out the feeling of loneliness that I'd felt before, because I realized that every entrepreneur was experiencing this. It was just below the surface and I had to get there with them in order to see that and understand that. You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more as far as the feeling of being isolated. Like, I remember when I uh, going through that myself, um, you know, I'm married, happily married. Uh, we are going to be celebrating our 18th year actually next month. Congratulations. Um, thank you. And we're, we're very open. My wife, Azel, she's my best friend, um, my rock. But, you know, when, when you have business concerns, business issues, and you've probably experienced this too, having self-doubt, there are things that you don't really want to share with your partner. And you're looking for that 
just just that person where you can just talk to them about business because they can understand. You know, my wife's not a business person. My wife's a pharmacist. And sometimes, you know, she'd give you a feedback. But since we're not communicating with the same kind of intellectual level as far as business goes, mm -hmm. we get offended, right? And And I'm guilty of that. That's why when you said you have this group of people, like-minded, all entrepreneurs who can understand each other, that is such a big deal. Um, you know, the mental health is such an important factor. I'm actually glad that you're really tackling this because this is almost like one of those things or topics that people think it's just in your head. Well, it is, but there's some more, it's, it's a disease that we have to approach just like being addicted to a substance or something. Mm -hmm. It really has to be tackled. So I think what you're doing is really important, uh, very significant. Mm -hmm. So man, I, I, that's why I'm happy that I'm part of your growth, you know, helping just kind of spread the word out there. And it's, it's, it's exciting. It's definitely something that, uh, you know, our fellow entrepreneurs from around the world can really benefit from. Um, yeah. And to that point, uh, Aaron, I've, you know, I've, I've been a member not too long, uh, but I recently joined. What I also noticed is you've got this online program called Peak Ability. And the testimonials I've seen there is just incredible. I haven't really joined that program yet, but can you tell us a little bit more about that program? And I mean, why is it? I mean, I, I've seen testimonials of people just raving about it. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's, it's a complete transformation for entrepreneurs over a 90-day period and then all the tools and support that they need to keep them healthy and productive for years and years and years as they build their current company, as they build their next company. The goal here is to keep entrepreneurs healthy and happy so that they can build their companies and change the world. And uh, the Peak Ability Program was about this fragmentation problem, which is you can listen to a thousand personal health podcasts and attend a million different in-person events, and you'll get so much advice, very little of it relevant for busy entrepreneurs. If you were to pick up all those tips, you'd have about 40 hours a day worth of personal health practices that you should add, uh, and no, one, uh, no entrepreneur even has 40 minutes a day. And so our Peakability program is about packaging just the things that work for entrepreneurs from a scientific and evidence-based standpoint and from a personal practice standpoint through my research and our advisory council of leading entrepreneurs and health experts around the world. And in our Peakability program, it's um, a digital self-paced training program that then leads, once you've gained the skills for resiliency and for high performance as an entrepreneur, it then leads into accountability and support groups that meet every week. So you can track your health through our five factors that we talked about before and put those to work in your life, kind of using those as the outer guiding rails to make sure you don't go too far in either direction. And the goal here really is to help you upfront quantify the cost of what you're giving up by pushing as an entrepreneur to build your company. Because it isn't just time and it isn't just dollars. It, in fact, can be our health. It can be our happiness. It can even be critical relationships. Um, we can push too far in any of those directions. And that can make us even more lonely when we do damage in those areas of our life. It puts our businesses at risk and it puts our personal health at risk. And the Peakability program is created to be the answer to that. So participants go through our digital online training program. Again, it's inside our community on iOS and Android or on the web. 
you can do this in, you know, five minutes every single morning, 15 minutes every single evening on your lunch break. You could complete the program in probably just a week or two. It leads into these incredibly high performance accountability groups. We've got former elite military operators. We've got public company CEOs. We have first-time entrepreneurs. We have gig economy workers. Uh, we have freelancers, digital agencies, people that are just starting out their companies and everything in between. And what these people have in common is that they have committed to their health and their happiness and their performance as an entrepreneur. And they're tracking their five factors every single day. And they're using that as a shared language. So when we show up at one of our weekly scorecard check-in meetings in the Peak Ability Program, I can share with you exactly where I am right now over the last week and what my challenges are over the week ahead. Every other participant can do the same, and we know exactly how to support each other. If you're losing sleep over an upcoming product launch, I can share my experience with that and help you get your energy score back in line from where it needs to go. If you're having a co-founder challenge in your business and it's causing you to feel anxious and worrying about the future, somebody else in the group can share the exact same time something like that happened to them in the past and the tools they used to get back to healthy and happy and to honestly approach that type of challenge with the best version of themselves. Wow. So I'm actually I'm actually looking forward to signing up on that program because it definitely sounds like it's definitely something that I need uh, in my life, especially right now. Um, so thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, Aaron, one, another thing that I find very interesting is, you know, you, you, um, you set up, you established founders first and after, you know, building 11 companies, you've sold, made a lot of money. You don't really need to be doing this. You can just retire and probably just, you know, lounge under the sun somewhere in the Bahamas or maybe just go mountain biking every day. <laughs> um, and any startup is, man, that's a lot of hard work. Uh, talk about the energy requirement there, but you're still doing it. Tell us about your driving factor there. I, I mean, I understand how, you know, everything you do is really important to you. But again, you don't really have to do this, but you're doing it. What's your driver there? Yeah, through my own experience and my own struggles, I've I've come out of this committing my life to positively impacting the lives of a million founders. This is a, a story at this point in a movement much bigger than me. You mentioned when I was describing the Peak Ability program how you identify with it and and could benefit from it. And that's why I created it somewhat selfishly. And that's how I came about these tools in this process, is because I needed it as well to get mm -hmm. to healthy. And now that I have, have come back from this very dark place and learned these tools, I can share them with the world to impact so many other people's lives. So this isn't about me. It's about all entrepreneurs and really fundamentally changing the experience of what it means to start and grow a company. And just as a simple example, if we think about the careers of entrepreneurs, uh, they, many of us often don't have our greatest impact on our first company, right? Think about, for instance, if Elon Musk had burned out on PayPal right? Or one of his projects before that. Think about what we wouldn't have in the world today. <laughs> we wouldn't have rockets that are going into space in the most effective and safe way we ever had it. If we've ever had it, we wouldn't have this massive clean energy and solar infrastructure that he's building. We wouldn't have electric cars leading the way in so many hmm. markets. Do we think that those players that controlled the gasoline engine market would have innovated to this level? No, this is what entrepreneurs do. And <laughs> these entrepreneurs are such a gift 
to humanity. If we didn't have Elon Musk to build company three, four, five, and 10, if we didn't have Chris Yap to build companies eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12, this is where entrepreneurs really refine their craft and make a huge difference. It's not always on the first company. In fact, it's almost so rarely on the first company. If you think about it, that's why venture capital investors invest in 15 to 20 companies, not just one company, <laughs> because mm-hmm. they know to have the greatest outcome, they have to have a portfolio of work and a portfolio of companies. And as entrepreneurs, we have so much work to do. The environment is still in shambles. Social justice is a bigger challenge than it's ever been. Kindness is at an all-time low education isn't equally distributed. Poverty is still rampant among human beings. And entrepreneurs are the people that are going to solve these problems for the world. All of our problems, in fact. And these are the future. This is really the future of the world. And these entrepreneurs are in crisis. And I just have to help. Man, that is just admirable, you know, because when you put it in that perspective as to how important entrepreneurs are, you know, a lot of times people think they only see like the success, but they don't see that, you know, what lies underneath that peak is just, you know, a bunch of failures, a ton of rejections, a lot of sacrifices, not just on health, but with relationships. And so I think what you've done here is just... uh it's just so admirable because like I said, you don't really need to do it, but you're doing it. And I'm glad that you're tackling this. Given this year, it has been a crazy year with the pandemic, with, you know, the coronavirus. I'm just so happy that you launched it at this time because I have a feeling that there are more. I mean, prior to the pandemic, the issues of mental health, um, stress, anxiety among business owners is already at peak. And I think what this pandemic did was it just doubled or tripled the severity of that. What advice do you have for our entrepreneurs listening, especially on this show right now, who are going through, you know, these difficult times because of, you know, what we're going through right now? What advice do you have for our listeners? I think first and foremost, it's to connect with other people in a similar situation. And And you bring up a great point, which is that there's something interesting about the current global pandemic and crisis, and that is that it is a global (laughs) pandemic and crisis, and we're all in this together. So in some ways, it's easier than ever to find people sharing the struggles of this crisis um, universally. Now, for entrepreneurs, we're still cut from a very different cloth. We talked about the health issues, the risks, the mental health challenges that we see as entrepreneurs. A lot of people ask me, does that does entrepreneurship cause these problems in people or do people that have these predispositions already become entrepreneurs? And it's a, it's a question that I don't know if anybody can answer, but either way, there's still a single universal truth around that, which is that entrepreneurs are cut from a different cloth. Whether we become this way by being entrepreneurs or whether that's what causes us to be entrepreneurs, if you put a bunch of entrepreneurs in a room together, we're going to have pretty similar experiences that drove us into entrepreneurship and also since we have been entrepreneurs. So first I'd say connecting with other um, people in a similar situation for entrepreneurs, that's other entrepreneurs. I think it's, it's critical. You mentioned it's hard sometimes as an entrepreneur to lean on these other people in our lives that we can lean on and they can support us in so many other ways. When it comes to talking about our business, there's nothing like having entrepreneurs that can listen to your problem and maybe not even give advice, but simply share their experiences so we can remain connected. And then my second piece of advice is, is a general piece of advice that I would always recommend pre-pandemic, in-pandemic, post-pandemic, 
which is to always quantify what it's costing us to try and be successful and build our company. It is a reality that there is more cost than just the time and the money that we put into this business. It's our health. It can be our entire livelihood. It can be relationships. It can be our lives, unfortunately. And starting to quantify those things. And I think the easiest way to do it is to start just keeping a little bit of a journal from time to time, once a week, once a month, writing down our experience where times where we didn't feel okay. And for entrepreneurs, it usually comes up in a couple of ways. One is uh, trouble sleeping. Two <laughs> is mood going from really, really high to really, really low. Not over like a month or over a year, but like over the same day and multiple times in the same day. And that usually manifests itself either in low energy because we just don't feel motivated, we feel burnt out, or sometimes in elevated energy like temper or being short with the people that we work with or even aggression or extra competitiveness um, that often ends up causing more damage than than the good that it, that it might feel like it's doing in the moment. And so just starting to keep a little tally of these things, I call them the cracks kind of forming in the foundation so that we can understand how hard we're pushing. I think that's the best way to figure out what it's costing us is to start to just quantify these things. Is it can't fall asleep or can't calm the mind or focus the mind without a couple of drinks? It's a very common thing among, among entrepreneurs. And it starts in the evening and seems casual. And maybe it's an extra tool to help us get to sleep. And then it creeps up sometimes into lunch. And then it creeps up uh, into breakfast. It creeps up into any areas of our life where we want to self-medicate in order to try and calm our minds and our bodies. So Things like this, I think, are the things to look for. One of my favorite, really simple things, it almost seems kind of silly, but I'll tell you what, it's a universal experience. It's probably 70 to 80% of entrepreneurs get a twitch in one of their eyelids. Mm. It's very weird. You ever had a twitch in your eyelid? I get this all the time. Oh, yeah, I just had it yesterday. Yeah, you get it from time to time, right? If you Google, why is my eyelid twitching? There is only one answer you're going to turn up, which is stress. It's, it's high level of stress, drives behavior like that. Um, and there's lots of little telltale signs that we can find as entrepreneurs. We talk about these things in the Founders First community, so you can come find broader lists of the things we watch for in ourselves there. But these are the types of things I think it's absolutely critical to watch for and to start to quantify and understand what it's costing us to be an entrepreneur. And I will never tell anyone that they shouldn't push to any degree of intensity to build their company and change the world. I'll simply ask that they be mindful of what they're giving up to do it. And everyone makes the right decision for themselves. And in order to make the right decision, you have to know what the cost is for what you're chasing. So if you can keep both of those things in your vision, then you'll understand how to balance that in your own life. Wow. This has been an incredible, incredible, definitely one of my favorite episodes, um, Aaron, because, you know, I have related in everything you said there. I'm guilty, probably. I had all my check marks and all of them. I, you know, having that trouble sleeping, that eye twitch, the mood swing, mm -hmm. the irritability. It's like, that's me. All, all checklist. <laughs> and it's, it's all it's, entrepreneurs. Yeah. We're all in this yeah. together. It's so common. Yeah. Man, what an incredible show we've got here. Um, and we are at the end of the hour here. And so Aaron, I'm pretty sure our audience are just, you know, dying to learn and you know how to connect with you and how to join the community what's the best way for them to reach you and how to join the community 
Thanks for asking, Chris. Yeah, I, I need your help, and I need everyone's help to spread the word about the Founders First community. If you're an entrepreneur, please join us. If you're an entrepreneur, or even not, please share it with your networks of, of friends and entrepreneurs to help bring awareness to this movement where we're bringing health and happiness to founders. The easiest way to find, to find us is by going to the App Store on your, your iOS or Android device on your phone and searching for Founders First Community. Or on the web, on your laptop, go to community.foundersfirstsystem.com. There's a free sign up and become part of the conversation, become part of the solution. You'll benefit immediately by reading other people's stories and experiences. You can also ask questions and get feedback um, and build the future of health and happiness and entrepreneurship together with us. Wow. Amazing. Well, Aaron, it has been a true blessing to have you in our show today. I really appreciate you spending the time with us. So folks, that concludes our show today. Uh, again, this show was brought to you by Gaptic Global, your outsourcing company for LinkedIn marketing, customer service, and various back office services. You can learn more about their services at www.gaptiglobal.com. This has been your host, Chris Yap, of your podcast show, From Zero to Revenue. As Stephen Covey said, all things are created twice, first in the mind, then in reality. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of From Zero to Revenue with your host, Chris Yap. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.